Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to Human suffering Factual inaccuracies Several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Well, yeah, the eggs taste like chemicals and smell like art supplies, but they were 15 cents, honey. I'm Andy. The restored murals look beautiful, but why is Jesus playing poker with that bulldog? I'm Kelly. Real money, the ultimate counterfeit. I'm Adam. All right, sir, everything seems in order. Wait, who's Benjamin Farklin? I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about counterfeits and forgeries. Yay! Like me. (laughs) Fraud. Counterfeit goes back to Latin roots, but the first time it really sounded like itself was in French with contre, meaning against, and fair, meaning make do. So, make do against. (laughs) And what did it mean at the time? It basically meant... Counterfeiting, yeah. I I don't understand how that works, but I guess doing something against its nature or... To make it work with despite not having what you need, I guess. Yeah, something French like that. And then forgery is from 1500s, and it means to make something fraudulently. Uh, And the root of that is forge, from Latin fabrica, meaning a blacksmith shop. But I, but I don't know how it went from blacksmithing to faking. But that's language for you. Hey, this is a fake sword. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, forge still kind of has the dual meaning, right? Yeah, it does. It's just make something versus make a fake something. Mm-hmm. just didn't feel like coming up with a second word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there wasn't a phobia that I could find, and there's too much science and history to go into here, but I will mention that there have basically been counterfeit coins found of the very first coins ever discovered. Yes. So, <laughs> coins predate counterfeiting by just a few years. As soon as we had money, people wanted it. Well, yeah. well heck, I could do that. <laughs> hey, that guy's just making stuff up. I can make my own. So we're on to our acid pop quiz. I don't have a long one today. Uh, for true false, we're just going to have you look at some counterfeit items and see if you can identify which one's the fake. Well, if we're looking at counterfeit items, it shouldn't be too hard. Hmm. Mm, those are very good. I can't. So our first picture sunlight. here is a hundred dollar bill. So I'm describing bill. it for our listeners at home. The first one's a little more faded. But they both just look like hundred dollar bills. Is is there a tell on this, or are we just supposed to guess? So I'm I'm guessing. Nope. I'm guessing it's the second I mean, one because it looks more pristine, and like the foil strip in the middle has. It looks like it's printed. Yeah. I, I'll say that like a professional could tell these apart from this picture. Yeah, I'm going with the same. Like it looks more perfect, I guess, than the one up top. I'll go with the first one just so that we have a spread. Kelly gets it by being contrary. It's <laughs> the top one. But there isn't any like defining feature no no they're just really really good hmm. i can't light them both on fire and see which one flares up red yes that's <laughs> right. it's flash paper 
That's for a distraction when you're found out. Behold. <laughs> eggs. A fake egg? Fake egg. It's an egg. It's two eggs. It's Fabergé eggs. They're <gasps> fabricated eggs. The most boring Fabergé. Well, one is brown and the other is lighter brown. With a crack in it. And they both got some cracks or schmutz on them. They're in an unremarkable bowl. <laughs> the lighting could use some work. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with the one with the crack is the fake. The one with the crack. I don't know if I've ever seen an egg that's quite that color. But that could just be the lighting. They're trying for authenticity. They're like, oh, no, somebody actually broke this one. It must be real. Yeah. Why would you fake eggs? Yeah, counterfeit eggs. In a barter society, I guess. Could be 100-year <laughs> eggs. So while you guys are contemplating these images, in China, apparently people freaking love eggs, which makes sense to me. I love eggs. So people have been wondering, like, I guess where it's too hard to raise a chicken, how could we get eggs and sell them really cheap? So they came up with this method where they made two chemicals, one that's kind of yellow and gooey and one that's clear white and gooey, and then they basically freeze them. And then they dip them in this sort of plaster stuff that hardens what? into something that looks like an eggshell. And then they let them thaw. And then you've got an egg that's completely man-made. Weird. And if you crack it and cook it, it cooks just like a real egg. And what? you can eat it. But the problem is, depending on what chemicals were used to make this goop, it can be toxic. It's <laughs> uh, so- not a quality you normally look for in eggs. You yeah. can eat it. <laughs> and apparently the most defining characteristic of these is that if you crack them, the yolk is more likely to break than a real yolk. Well, I, but I'm bad at cracking eggs. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the, I have like a one in three chance of that happening anyway. I'm still but going yeah. with the one with the crack in it because the plaster has done wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that one looks like kind of a weird shape to me, although I think it's just the other egg yeah, overlapping I think it's it. The shadow. But I'm still going to go with that one on the the lighter one or the darker assumption one. Assumption that the the light one on the assumption that it's kind of bean shaped. I'm going to go I'll do the contrary one. I think that one looks too perfect. Yeah. Well, the white one is the fake one in this case. <sighs> Why just get a chicken? <laughs> People out there counterfeiting eggs. What happens if the fake egg gets fertilized? <laughs> Robot chickens. <laughs> Seth Green warned me about this. So that was our only true false. I thought we'd just look at some counterfeits. So for our fill in the blank, this is an estimate, but roughly how much money is made by counterfeiting in the world each year? How much money in the world? Counterfeiting anything or just money? Money specifically. Hmm. We're looking for a number, or like a percentage. A number, a dollar amount. Two million dollars. So when you say how much money is made, you mean like how many bills are printed, essentially? Um, Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find whether this meant what the value of the fake money was or how much it was sold for, because the going rate for counterfeit money is about 30% the face value of the bill. Mm. Huh. So I don't know. Well, I'm going to assume it's the amount of money, like, face value. Okay. $6.5 billion. Okay. In the world. In the world. All types of currencies. Correct. It's got to be a lot. 6.5 or whatever is a lot. So it's 2 million. It's true. 100 billion. Hmm. Well, Kelly's the closest without going over. Dang it. The answer is $1.7 trillion. Uh, I was afraid of going to the trillions. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you have like those countries with the crazy inflation where they have like $100,000 bills. Well, no, I mean, I think this is not like that, but this is like if you made a like a dollar amount, like you adjusted for the currency, like how much is this in US dollars? $1.7 trillion. I believe it. I've seen plenty of fake 20s. Yeah. So what percentage of counterfeit goods come from China? Hmm. It's like either going to be deceptively low or really high. <laughs> so of all, of all the counterfeit goods? Yeah. Oh, when my mom the lived eggs. there, she really liked shopping at the fake market. Yeah. So, <laughs> 68%. 25%. Mm. Mm. 80%. Mm. Well, Andy's closest without going over. 75%. So wow. one in three counterfeits come from China. Crazy. Or, sorry, three out of four counterfeits. So, what was the most expensive art forgery sold for? Uh, it's usually in the middle. $200 million. And it was Guernica. $700 million. Yeah, This is going to be like the lost Van Gogh or something <laughs> like that. But that's still... And also, art is money laundering anyway a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to go, I think, lower. $15 million? Mm, well, Kelly's close without going over. I had trouble nailing this one down, but the most expensive one I found was a piece supposedly made by German expressionist Heinrich Kampendonk, and it sold for $49 million (laughs) before it was discovered that it was a fake. Wow. And after it was discovered, it was basically worthless. (laughs) But but if it's just as good as the other guy, then isn't it good art? Yeah. I mean, a lot of art forgery is just that, like... A really talented artist goes to a gallery and they're like, hey, I want to sell you this awesome painting. And they're like, nah, that's useless. And so then they flip it over and they write a famous artist's name on the back. And then they say, hey, I found this by What's-His-Face. And they're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I'll buy it for $10 million. <laughs> and then, like, a lot of times the goal is, like, afterwards they can say, ha-ha, gotcha. You're just being a snob and it's actually just good art. But then they're like, whoa, $10 million. And then they go make a bunch more. <laughs> So we're on to our terms. What is a legal fake? That is a person claiming to be a lawyer that does not has not passed the bar. <laughs> a counterfeit lawyer. <laughs> it's a fake that's been caught and it has to be like legally proven to be a fake. So I know if you use uh, fake money on like film sets or something, it has to look good enough to work in the movie, but it has to like have this is fake money printed really clearly and like have distinct differences from actual currency. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's that. It's it's mm. the sort of money they use on movie sets. Well, this is a bit complicated, so stay with me. Company A in Country A trademarks themselves. Seeing the success of Company A, Company B trademarks the same name in Country B. This is completely legal. Then Company B starts producing knockoff versions of Company A's product and selling them. But the thing is, they actually have a company with the same name, so it's technically not counterfeiting. This can be a difficult and very expensive problem to fix if you're Company A. So if I open up Pepsi in a country that doesn't have Pepsi... Well, it's, it's, it's not even a country that doesn't have it, it's just... Where When you take out a trademark, you trademark it in a set number of places. Now, you can take out a worldwide trademark, but that's very expensive. So generally, you just take it out in the country that you're in. So, yeah. Also, if we're, if we're counterfeiting Pepsi, I'm using its original name, Brad's Drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So what was Operation Bernhard? This sounds like an operation to light all the counterfeit cash on fire. That's kind of what I was thinking. The government made their own counterfeit money to sneak into the mobsters' counterfeit money, but they made it with flash paper that they could remotely ignite to light all the counterfeit (laughs) money up. That'd be cool. Like that movie. So that's just (laughs) someone speaking with a weird accent. It's actually Operation Bernard. (laughs) And he is a famous art forger, and this Mm. was the operation to catch him. Well, you were right in that it was a name. Uh, It is a funny accent because it's a German name. Bernhardt. This was an operation undertaken by the Germans during World War II. The start of it was to make counterfeit British money and airdrop it all over Britain to basically make their money worthless and bankrupt the country. By 1942, they had perfected the paper engraving and serial code generation, but then Major Bernhard Kruger took over and his name got attached to the project. Under Bernhard, engravers and printers were weeded out of concentration camps and forced to work in counterfeit sweatshops. But instead of dropping the fake money all over Britain, they instead used it to buy information and war equipment. This worked extremely well. By the time the operation was shut down in 1945, it's estimated that they had produced between 132 and 300 million pounds. Jeez. It was found out that they had also perfected counterfeiting American money, but hadn't figured out the serial number generation quite yet. That's crazy. Did that that have any major impact on Britain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, mostly they didn't buy from Britain. They bought from other people that thought they could use the money at Britain. So I'm sure it got back there. But yeah, I don't know to what extent. And that concludes our acid pop quiz. So we're on to our stories. Not to give you any ideas or anything, but (laughs) I thought we'd start with a story of just how easy counterfeiting can be. Woohoo! In 2014, hairstylist named Tarshime Bryce was arrested for making between $10,000 and $20,000 worth of counterfeit 50s and 100s. She pleaded guilty and revealed her methods. Here's what she did. She got a bunch of 5s and 10s. Then she took a toothbrush with some paint remover and scrubbed all the ink off the bills, leaving them blank. She dried the blank bills off, and then, with her handy-dandy three-in-one inkjet printer, she scanned (laughs) 50s and 100s and printed them onto the blank bills. Foolproof. She got away with this for two years before getting caught. And according to the Secret Service, 60% of counterfeit bills are printed with inkjet printers. What? You can buy at Home Depot for, uh, like, Office Max for, like, 50 bucks. Crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, just people aren't generally paying all that much attention when they accept money or you're putting it in a machine. Yeah. Although machines probably have detection things. Mm -hmm. Machines are probably better than us. (laughs) Our lords and saviors the machines. (laughs) So that's how easy it is. And again, not to lead you astray, but here's how well it can go. Canadian Frank Barossa was a criminal, though he really didn't have the stomach for it. He had made some money smuggling drugs and selling stolen cars, but he felt like it was dangerous work. Tweaked out guys with guns do not make for OSHA-friendly environments. (laughs) He realized he was doing all this crime to make money, so why not just do the crime of making money? (laughs) Cut out the middleman. He spent years researching all the security measures in the $20 bill, and spread out over those years, he acquired some serious equipment to print the bills. Some of the nicest printers and paper cutters you can get. But most of the security features are built into the paper. 
Pretending to be a bond company, he reached out to companies in Europe about a large order. Now, there's three main security features in a $20 bill. The first is the specific blend of linen and cotton. Get that even a little bit off and your average person can feel the difference. It's top secret, isn't it? No, not really. Oh, I thought it was. (laughs) No, it's actually super public because if you ask a paper mill to make a paper that's 75% cotton and 25% linen, they say, uh, like money? (laughs) At the Swiss mill that Frank chose, he started out with a different blend and over the next few months, he worked with them in a sort of organically morphed into a 75% paper, 25% sort of a, linen. Oh, this feels a little off. Could you up the paper a bit? Right. My, yeah. My clients just aren't having this. The second security measure is a little security string reading USA 20. Now, I didn't know what this said, let alone some guy in Switzerland. Like, I've never looked at this. And if you've never seen really a $20 bill before, you wouldn't know that either. So Frank told them that his bond company made $20 bonds. So could they print $20 along the paper? No problem. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) The last security feature is a silhouette of Andrew Jackson. That's a hard one to get around again, unless you're some guy in Switzerland and have no idea who Andrew Jackson is, (laughs) let alone what he looks like. Frank came up with some bullshit story about how it was the founder of the company or something, and they printed it no problem. This old lady? (laughs) So the paper company happily filled an order for cotton linen paper with a strip reading USA 20 and some guy watermarked into it, and Frank had his base. He quickly started printing off money, lots and lots of money. He then started to move it, but it honestly didn't take long for him to get caught. The police raided his house and found a box with almost a million dollars in counterfeit 20s. Now, he went to jail and some negotiations started. In Canada, Frank would have likely only served a couple of years in prison, but since he had printed American money, the Secret Service wanted him extradited to serve 60 years in federal prison. Canadians are like, it's not our money. What do we care? (laughs) Yeah. This doesn't have a loony on it. (laughs) But Canada had to agree to extradite him. While the negotiations were going on, Frank casually asked, if I could give you, say... $200 million in counterfeit 20s. Would that help at all? (laughs) As it turned out, it would help a lot. Hot dog. A deal was struck. The Secret Service would get the $200 million before it could hit the streets, and Frank basically got off scot-free. But not long after the deal was made, the Secret Service found the paper mill and got details on the order. Doing some basic geometry, they found out that Frank had ordered enough money to make $250 million in counterfeit bills. Hey. They got 201 but when they asked Frank about the other 49 he just smiled and shrugged and said, hey, we had a deal. <laughs> and that's about as well as it can go for a counterfeiter. Mm. It's pretty like, smart of him to do that, but I feel like once that happens once, you're not going to get that opportunity again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he did after that. He won't say. But he does interviews and stuff all the time. Like, he's super proud of the fact that he outsmarted two countries' secret service, essentially. And some poor printers. Yeah. So a lot of times, artists who forge paintings are just trying to make a point that they're just as good as the people they're copying if only people would stop and notice. One such case was of Lothar Malskat. Lothar. <laughs> yeah. A German artist from the mid-1900s. 
He was commissioned by a company to fix up some frescoes in a cathedral of Marenkirch that had been damaged during World War II. The church closed up for a few months, and when they reopened in September of 1951, people were blown away by what a good job he did restoring the frescoes. Critics raved about them, and the government even ran a run of two million stamps with the frescoes printed on them. About a year later, Lothar came out and said, yeah, so there were no frescoes left in that church. Everything in there was painted by me. People laughed and patted him on the shoulder saying, yeah, right, sure, you're good enough to touch up someone else's paintings, but you could never do something as beautiful as the old masters. Rude. (laughs) In response, Lothar sued himself for plagiarism. (laughs) Getting interesting. (laughs) In the trial, he presented two pieces of evidence damning himself. First, there was a video of the inside of the church that showed that there was basically no art left on any of the walls, and the art that was there now didn't have anything to do with the bits that were there when the he started. And he acted as his own prosecutor and his own defense attorney. <laughs> yeah. And second, he had hidden several anachronisms in the paintings in case people didn't believe him. Wow. He had added a turkey... The original painting was from 1300s, and turkeys were native to America, discovered by Europeans in the 1400s, and a portrait of Marlene Dietrich. <laughs> Lothar won and lost his case, and he went to jail for 20 months. Broke even legally. <laughs> his plan worked, though, and after he got out, he made a comfortable living for himself painting frescoes for restaurants and inns around the country. Huh. Nice. But going to jail for 20 months for proving yourself... A not fraud, fraud. Not exactly a win. Yeah. The things we do for fame. <laughs> yeah. So for our last story, let's talk about a greedy man named Arthur Virgilio Alves Reyes. He, he stole two of, the, two of those names, at least. <laughs> <laughs> now, Reyes lived in Portugal in the early 1900s, and he was a counterfeiter, though maybe not a very good one. In 1924, he was arrested for forging checks and trying to buy an entire mine. (laughs) He basically tried to rob a company, but for some reason, he only went to jail for 54 days. While in jail, he had a brilliant idea. Why make counterfeit money at all? Why not just get more real money printed? You see, at that time, the government couldn't handle making all the money, so they had some private printers who they contracted out to print some. After he got out, he went to a buddy who worked at the bank and got him to notarize a contract that basically said Portugal was going to give a big loan to Angola, which was a Portuguese colony at that time. Okay. Reyes' buddy just trusted that whatever his old friend who'd just been released from jail was up to, it was certainly nothing sinister. So (laughs) he didn't even read the contract. He just signed it. Certainly wouldn't want to go back to jail. Yeah. Reyes then went to get three certificates from local embassies um, from Britain, Germany, and France. And these certificates were just for something dumb, like. I didn't even say what it was. It was just something. This official certificate that says I visited the British embassy. Yeah. (laughs) But then he added the bank signature to the certificates by tracing the one he got from his buddy. And then he basically erased the stuff from the contracts and wrote in whatever he wanted, which basically said that these other countries were agreeing to go in on this loan to Angola. (laughs) He then took his paperwork to one of the printers and told them to get to work printing money. They thought this whole thing sounded a little fishy, so they called some of the representatives from the bank and the embassies. 
They were like, hey, do you have a contract with this Reyes guy? And they were like, oh, sure. That's sure all fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the printer shrugged and started running off new bills. Reyes took this money and started his own bank, which he set up to actually give out loans to farmers and businesses wow. in Angola. Now, his loans had a criminally low interest rate, but why not? It sounds like he's a hero of the working man. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually created a boom in the Portuguese economy. But Reyes was keeping 25% of all the money that was made. About a year after this plan started, a journalist asked the Portuguese bank how it was possible that Reyes's bank could give out loans with such a low interest rate, and they said, who the fuck is Reyes? <laughs> <laughs> but he's doing so well for everyone. It didn't take long to track Reyes down and find out what he was up to, and it's a good thing that they did, because Reyes had been putting together an offer to buy a substantial share in the Portuguese bank. After which, he was going to change the records to say that the bank had indeed ordered the loan, <laughs> oh making God. everything he had done legitimate retroactively. It's genius. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say he was saving up for a death ray. <laughs> <laughs> night after night, building his murder robot army. <laughs> so Reyes was arrested and all his assets were seized. It turned out that when the bank asked the printers to make money, they issued them serial numbers. Reyes had just told them to reuse existing serial mm. numbers, so the government had to go through all 500 Escudo notes to find all the duplicates. Crazy. In doing so, they discovered that Reyes had printed 200,500 Escudo notes, or about 100 million Escudos. That's it. <laughs> but he gave them to those nice farmers. Yeah. He did. Uh, there were almost as many duplicates as there were originals. <laughs> Reyes had ordered printing of money equal to about 0.88% of the GDP of Portugal. <laughs> now, while Reyes went to jail and the bank pulled every 500 Escudo note from the market, the bottom dropped out of the economy as a result of the boom and bust. Political tension ran high, and in 1926, there was a military coup that overthrew the government. Jeez. Now, this wasn't entirely because of Reyes, but I think it's safe to say that Reyes was a more than substantial straw in the on, on that camel's back when the government was brought down. Look how good I'm making the economy. Yeah. Reyes is probably the most responsible person for the downfall of a government that was not a politician. <laughs> <laughs> they should have made him a politician. The only reason it went down is because he was like revealed and like stopped. If he well, kept going, wouldn't it have been okay? Would it, would it have, yeah, once he made it legitimate. Probably not, because there was just too much money in the market. And inflation at that point. was yeah. going to hit. So basically, inflation was skyrocketing. And so they kind of did the wrong thing and pulled all the money, which <laughs> that made the situation much worse. But yeah, it certainly wasn't a great situation. It sounds like they just panicked over the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, this was. This was tried by the, the Nazis, like I mentioned, in World War II, and it also was a big part. There was a guy in the Civil War that was printing counterfeit uh, Confederate bills, <laughs> and he was using that to try and weaken the uh, Confederate army. So it's apparently a, uh, a legitimate strategy if you want to bring down a country. Yeah, I've never it, heard uh, of that before, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, give them lots of money. <laughs> So I talked about art and money, uh, which are two of the most lucrative counterfeiting ventures, but there's lots of others. Here's a few rapid fire ones at the end. Eggs. Yeah, eggs. <laughs> the egg thing blows my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. 
In malaria-ridden areas of Cambodia, officials are trying hard to corner the sellers of malaria pills that are made of nothing but flour. Oh, good. The DEA is trying to stop Mexican cartels from selling oxycodone that is actually fentanyl. No. <laughs> In case you don't know, oxycodone is a pain reliever and fentanyl is an opioid that's 50 times more potent than heroin. Jesus. It feels the, it feels like strange generosity. Well, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, the pills are 300 milligrams, and maybe not all of that is fentanyl, but a two milligram dose of fentanyl is lethal. Could be worse. It could be a pain increaser. <laughs> yeah. In China, people buy empty Budweiser's, fill them with cheaper beer, and resell them. Nobody could tell the difference. That's just capitalism. <laughs> yeah. And in Puerto Rico, officials are warning people not to use condoms to stop pregnancies and STIs because so many of them are fakes. Oh. The uh, counterfeit condoms are too small and full of holes. <laughs> Think of all the rubber we say. I got a whipple condom. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a cheesecloth. Yeah, I could strain some noodles in this. <laughs> oh, and uh, almost anything bought on eBay or Amazon. According to a 2018 study by the U.S. government accountability office which that sounds like a boring place to work no kidding about 40 percent of e-commerce e-commerce products are fake and that's to say nothing of wish yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i got a counterfeit nazi flag <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last of the stories that i had it's a nancy flag okay sean i'm sending you a picture on your phone okay so i've worked retail for a very long time yeah and you're you're gonna get fake bills but usually you can tell how fake they are. And one day I was working and a kid came over and says, I think I think I accidentally took a counterfeit $100 bill. Like one of the people you were working with? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, how, how do you know? Well, let, let, let me see it. Can you describe that picture, Sean? Yeah. So uh, the bill's not bad. It says 100 It's got Ben Franklin. <laughs> but the thing is, there's all this Chinese writing. One little, thing, <laughs> one little criticism. Bright red Chinese writing. Yeah. And... Could you look at, like, the Secretary of Treasury? And, yeah. So I looked at him and I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching this. Who's the Secretary of Treasury on that? It's a, it's a, you won Ling Li Lianen. That's who I voted for. And I just, I was just like, okay, I'm going to step back and you need to call security now. So they can uh, <laughs> look up that person. No, they're pretty good. The other story I have is uh, my wife works at a restaurant and she had somebody come in and attempt to pay with the movie money that says, Hey, this is fake. Please do not take. Yeah. Only acceptable on movie sets. Yeah. I don't know where you guys got this, but I'm not taking it. She goes, and the, the lady, like it was an older couple. They're like, Oh no. Yeah. yeah the, um, the story I mentioned with the guy who is making the fake Confederate money, he basically printed right on it. This is not money. <laughs> uh, just in case anybody came looking for him sure. and it worked. And like the, um, the union police came and they're like, hey, are you counterfeiting? It's like, no, I'm printing these things that say this is not money. And they're like, they kind of snorted and laughed and were like, good enough for me. <laughs> they lie. <laughs> Why um, would the union soldiers care? Yeah. Well, I mean, if he was counterfeiting, he was breaking the law. But it's like they probably would have been like, hey, knock it off. Wink. <laughs> and if you play any collectible card game, you're going to have counterfeits. Yeah. Magic Gathering is, is just a. A wild west of people are like, ah, I can't afford these cards, but I can afford to print some and sell them to other people so I can afford the cards. <laughs> yeah, Black Lotuses used to be real rare. 
I've got five of them in my deck. That's illegal. You can only have four. Wait, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any stories. Like I said, my uh, my mom lived in China for a while, and they just have like a street you go to, and you can you know bring a coat, and they will just recreate yeah. the coat for you in any fabric you choose. Awesome. Well, I was surprised that China was so high with the counterfeits because when we went to Turkey, like the place we went in Turkey was known for its counterfeits. And people oh, yeah. went to the mall to pick some up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it comes to counterfeiting money, it's actually really, really common to print money for a country that you're not in. And apparently, like, if you're in another country and you go to, like, a currency exchange, they're like, look at the money that you get really carefully. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, people know how to spot their own money pretty easily. But if it's, like, you know you're in Taiwan and you get some of their money. So you have no idea what you're looking yeah. at. That's true. All right. Well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So let's say on a whim, you buy a storage box at an auction. And when you open it, it's filled with everything you need to counterfeit money. Knowing that counterfeiting money is a federal offense and knowing that the average sentence for counterfeiting is 16 months. How much money would you need to make to use the contents of the box? Is this where we find out that Sean's been wearing a wire the whole time? <laughs> Lean a little closer and uh, state your full name. Well, you said they wanted to put that guy away for 60 years, didn't it's you? It's true. So but the that, more money you make, the worse it's going to get. That is, yeah, very true. It's like, it was just because he printed so much. Okay, I'm going with fives and tens. Because not, sure. a, lot of, not a lot of cashiers are going to be like, oh. Yeah, nobody I'm checks sure this five is a five. I'm, I am going to make $150,000. Hmm. Oh, yeah? I can't just make a dollar and call it good? <laughs> I mean, if you're willing to risk 16 months in prison for a yeah. dollar. Yeah, there's a line between, like, how much you're going to have to print to make it worth it and not printing so much that you'll be super obvious. And I live close enough right. to other states. I'm going to drive to another state to spend all that shit. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows they can't recognize counterfeits in Iowa. Mm-hmm. What if I do all my counterfeits of Sacagawea dollar coins? Nobody checks those. That's true. I'll tell you that the most common method is if you're making counterfeit money, you don't spend the counterfeit money. You sell the counterfeit money to someone else to spend at a discount. Oh, that's another. Th- so I used to know some guys in high school that were doing the inkjet thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And what they would do is they'd put a bunch of like, like they print out fives and tens and put them in a... Uh, a dryer with a bunch of stuff in it so it'd beat them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'd go buy something for like a dollar at a convenience store and get actual cash back. They did get caught. They are in prison. One of them. <laughs> <sighs> How much would I want to print? What would you say? 150? $150,000. I feel like 100000 would be a pretty good amount without being like too obnoxious. Yeah, I figure I've got to make at least enough to cover myself for 16 months in jail. So That's how you always no. break this down. <laughs> well, I, so I have to cover that much. But then there's the fact that I'll have a federal criminal record. Yeah. And that yeah, makes it a little hard to get a job. <laughs> so it's got to be more than that. But again, I... Got to plan for success. <laughs> I can't push it too far. Let's say... Uh, I think it's got to be 300000 Oh, this just feels like a bad idea. I'm not a lawbreaker. <laughs> well, with both of you making counterfeits, you only need to make half as much. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so you go to jail for half the time. <laughs> I feel like it's 
I'm, I'm sure it's not, but it feels safer to just use it yourself. That way there's no one who can point back to you. Yeah. I feel like what I would try to do is like go to Europe and open a bank account with all my fake money. <laughs> and then like once it was digitized, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to close my account. Just transfer that into my bank, please. I'm going to say 250000 oh, Cheaper than me. I'm the expensive one today. Well, I the more... The more you make, the more dangerous it gets. It's true. I'm just afraid to You're piss off the government. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks to my co-host for joining me today. And as always, thanks to our editor, Gerard. If you'd like more of us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can get to us through Reddit or email us at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. And remember... Run your bills through a dryer first. Bye. I was not liking the... <coughs> Something's <laughs> happening to hand. Triscuit bits. Sudden Triscuit inhalation death. <laughs>